Welcome to this edition of Free Speak, a podcast of the Namibia Media Trust, and I'm Gwen Lister. Arguably, incidents of racism and tribalism shouldn't still be happening in our country 30 years after independence and the fall of apartheid. But it's almost like we've simply brushed the subject under the carpet through the policy of national reconciliation, just pretending it's all going to go away. Clearly, we've got a long way to go still in fully addressing deep wounds and divisions in our ethnically diverse country. So to discuss the legal aspects and implications of hate speech, including racism and tribalism, and what mainstream and social media can do about it, I'm joined by lawyer and human rights expert, Tony Hancocks, who is also the director of the Legal Assistance Center and a member of the Action Coalition. So welcome, Tony. And thanks for taking the time. Hello, and thank you for having me. Tony, the Black Lives Movement in the United States gained traction after the murder by police of George Floyd. And this served to put racism in the spotlight on a global stage, no less here in Namibia, where the presence of several monuments, including a lynching post in mm. the coastal town of Henty's Bay, and also the statue of the German colonial architect of the Hornkrantz massacre, fueled a debate on racist symbols, with petitions then coming on for their remove, calling for their removal, and the holding of a youth-organized silent protest against racism, gender-based violence, and police brutality. All this is playing out largely on social media, but also in the mainstream press, giving voice to the outcry as well as its backlash, and resulting in toxicity on all sides. So Namibia remains polarized not only in racial, black-white terms, but also on the basis of tribalism. In more general human rights terms, how do you see us liberating ourselves from discrimination, Tony? Okay, I think um, human rights, the basis is equality. Obviously, you want to be equal in all ways, so you have the right and access to everything that is in the Constitution and is known to be basic human rights. So I think um, equality is a big thing that we need to look at. Um, and while equality brings with it liberation, in certain instances, I think it actually makes it worse and that there becomes a, a racial divide because there is equality. Exactly. Um, so a couple of examples. Um, you might focus on one issue to the extent of the loss of others. And this, this um, brings some kind of disparity between people. If you look at the Constitution, I think it's Article 19, mm -hmm. um, says that you have the right to practice your own culture. The very next one speaks to education. How are you going to balance that? Right. If you do equality on the one side, you're going to hurt someone on the other side. Right. So um, that can create disharmony, I think. Another thing is, um, if a topic is a hot topic, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but obviously during the AIDS pandemic, access to health was a huge thing. Right. And people were absolutely um, throwing money at it. In fact, a colleague of mine said that you just have to take a piece of paper and jot a few things down in pencil and the donors will throw money at you. Right. And absolutely, that was important. That was a topical issue. But at the same time, someone else is saying, okay, right, because it was towards a specific community that the assistance was given. We know that. Um, so someone else is going to be saying, well, fine, you know, this is all, they are getting all of that, and what are my children eating? So I think that also created a concern. And then I think at the end of the day, um, 
we are all about being equal, but we don't take it any step further. Right. So um, you have, you, you will work, and our education is very, very dear to my heart. So you'll say, okay, well, everybody has now got access to education. Have they? No, they haven't. And the people that don't have proper access are going to be saying, really, look what you've got and look what we don't have. And it makes it worse, I think. Um, there was a, um, when we were doing this commission of inquiry, one of the uh, women's rights activists, in fact, said, um, at least under the old um, apartheid era, I had a house made of bricks. Wow. So, you know, these are things that are still very, very deeply ingrained. Right. That's, that's fascinating, Tony, but also, just to bring it to even today, there have been recent incidents of whites who have been denigrating mm -hmm. black Namibians on social media, um, and it's been very outrageous. Mm -hmm. And there's also been a recent post by a black Namibian who in turn is inciting hatred of Nama-speaking compatriots. Um, and this in turn, or these incidents in turn, have fueled vocal demands for justice. One of the whites, a teacher, subsequently lost her job, and the perpetrator of racism or tribalism has also been charged. You recently told the NBC that the wheels of justice will grind extremely slowly in these cases. Mm -hmm. Any suggestions on how we can speed things up to bring these culprits to book? I think that's a very difficult question because legislation is never going to do that. Right. Um, in particularly in a situation such as ours, because it's, it's criminal sanctions. So right. you're going through the whole prosecutorial issues. You're going to have the PG, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you look at our, our act that we have got in place, I think over the past, um, since it's been in place 1991, we've had nine cases where people have actually laid, uh, laid charges against someone else. And what's happened to those nine, right. you know? Right. So does that show that we don't have racism? I think it shows exactly the opposite. Absolutely. Because already there you have an issue where certain people can access the courts, others can't. Certain people can defend themselves in courts, others can't. So there already you have the divide. I don't think legislation will make any difference right. at all. Right. Because we are not educated. Mm -hmm. about racism and what it means. And we all very on, on the top, these levels, even I, I mean, sorry, I'm going to waffle on a bit no, now. No, no, but but even, even me, for example, I come from, even though I come from a mixed race family, mm. I still grew up on the white side of the town or whatever. And those ingrained ideas that I have, I need to work against. I need to try and understand properly. Even my mom, you know, who was in this relationship, she also has issues with racism sure. because that's how she grew up. I mean, there was this kind of level. You had the whites and then the Indians and then the coloreds and right. then the blacks. Right. So wherever you were, um, that's the percep perception you lived with. So it's very important, I think, first of all, for us to deal with those issues before we can go any further. And possibly a way to do that would be to have a tribunal. Right. That was also suggested by the mm -hmm. commission mm -hmm. where people can actually sit together and speak, uh, talk it out. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect mm. um, because you're going to have people hopefully not taking each other on, but right. you will probably have a, a couple of fights along the way. But it's a way of just opening it up and talking yeah. about it because I think that's what we're doing wrong. Mm. We're trying to suppress it. If right. you do this, then we're going to take you to court. And then you come out even angrier on the other side. So there has to be a different way in which to do this. I don't have the answers, but certainly we need to look at a more one-on-one -on -one basis. Yeah, because I think uh, that's a very good point you make, because, I mean, a lot of people are looking, if you like, as a mechanism for redress um, in terms of manifestations of acts of racism and discrimination to this Prohibition mm. of Racial Discrimination Act. 
as you've mentioned. Um, but as you say, is the law the right way to deal with these things? Because again, if some of these perpetrators we've mentioned get prison sentences, it's unlikely, but let's say it happens. Mm. How have we really, or how does this act as a, as a deterrent to hate speech? So it's something in actual fact much deeper mm. um, uh, that you're alluding to, that it's where we grew up, how we grew up, and it's not only in terms of color, but also in terms of culture. Mm. Um, so we shouldn't put much stock in, in that act trying to uh, uh, ameliorate the situation, in your view. No, I don't think so. I mean, you also have to look at, at that point in time when it was promulgated, how, how yeah. people felt. It was just, just after um, independence. Right. There was so much pain and there was so much hurt. Right. I mean, you look at the Constitution, what, what the basics were, what the preamble deals with. So this, even if you look at the Act itself, it, it deals very specifically with racial disharmony in, mm. in such a, um, an emotive way, the right. wording. Right. And at the end of the day, it, it's all very um, subjective. So. Right you're not quite sure where it begins and where it ends. Absolutely. Um, and that has been part of the problem, I think, is nobody really knows. Exactly. Now you've got this put on paper, but it doesn't mean anything. Mm. Uh, many people don't even know that it exists. Right. You know, um, right. they're just sitting back and thinking this guy's doing what he's been doing for 50 years and it's not going to change. And nothing's going to help me. The government hasn't done right. anything, not even knowing that there is this legislation, which in any event is... I wouldn't say it's not worth the paper it was written on. Yeah. Of course, it, the idea is there, but you can't really integrate it into society, I'm afraid. Exactly. I often say, and I think it's, it's true really to say that, you know, all of us, I mean, I think every single individual on earth is a person of prejudice mm. in one way or another. And what we really have to do is actually deal with those prejudices, whether it's uh, homophobia or... Um, racism or discriminate or any of those things. Mm. There's always an element or a, a dislike for another culture. So these are things we must deal with. And, and I'm interested to hear you saying that actually the place to do that is outside the laws and possibly um, with a tribunal. Mm. Um, mm. We can get back to that later. But also, Tony, just to... How do we define the boundaries of, of free speech? Um, there's a very thin line, isn't mm. there? We can't say that offensive speech is wrong because as we chatted earlier, say some of us, uh, myself, for example, is a proponent of abortion. Mm. And yet to raise the subject on social media or anywhere else is very offensive to a lot of people. But that doesn't mean it shouldn't be said. Mm. So where do we draw the line between free speech and defamatory hate speech or what I also mm. like to call Hurt speech. Yes, I saw that. Um, where do we, how do we draw the line on that? Okay. Because, you sorry, probably... if we did a tribunal like you referred to, mm. a lot of that sort of sentiment would come out. Mm. Uh, where, do you, where do my rights stop and yours begin? Mm. <laughs> this is actually a very difficult question, although people seem to think it's quite, you know, it's written in stone. It's, it not. Is, it's not. And in terms of freedom, freedom of expression, you're probably better at that than I am. Um, for me, personally, the difference is between intent, number one, and intent how you bring that about. Yeah. Um, and, and two, the same subject can be dealt with. It's just the way that it's dealt with. Right. If you're doing um, freedom of expression, the idea is, is to say what you, what you really believe, um, after you've looked at all the the, um, the objects that deal with it, obviously, um, whether it's offensive or not, is not the issue. At the end of the day, it's because you want to bring that issue out into the public. People can think about it. People can talk about it. They can say you're an idiot. 
but you haven't put it across in a way that is abusive of anybody. You've Absolutely. just put the information out there. Yeah. And I want to think of an example. I was thinking of it earlier on. If you want to speak about the fact, for example, that um, the utilities from the municipality mm -hmm. okay, was provided to a certain section of Vintook, right. um, and it still is, and we know why it is. So now you've got freedom of expression, and you're going to say there is a fact that this is happening. Um, it comes from our colonial past. We need to address it. You know. Mm -hmm. Then you've got somebody else that's saying exactly the same thing, but they're saying these bloody whites. You know, they're having everything. They think we've they've got it over us, and we want water too. Yeah. So it's the intention might have been the same, but the way in which they put it across is different. So for me, it's it's those two issues. What do you right. intend with it, and how do you put it across? Right. Mm. And obviously, in the cases that we've looked at most most recently. The issue, as you say, is critical of intent. Mm. Are you actually intending to do harm with the words you use? And, and, that, and that's very important as well. There's no doubt also that, of course, social media, and mm. years ago we didn't have social media, so a lot of these voices of hatred and discrimination and all these kind of things were, were suppressed to a very large degree because they didn't find outlet. And mm. uh, now with social media, this has become the platform. Uh, for racist and tribalist speech, and it's amplified in many cases these voices of hate. In his 2017, I think it was, report on racism and discrimination, Ombudsman John Walters recommended legislation to combat, combat what he called cyber racism. What are your thoughts on this, mm. Tony? Again, would your thinking be that legislation, even for online speech, you'd have the same approach you have to mm. legislation um, in real life, put it that way? I think the idea at the time was to say that we should look at mm -hmm. whether that's a possibility. Right. And um, at the end of the day, this hasn't worked in terms of vocal you know, racism or written racism, the, the act we have now. So even less, it's going to work with cyber racism, I think. Um, I think it's incumbent on, um, I don't know who, it, it, the, me the media, the press and so right. on that are dealing with these things on a right. daily basis to get the message out there why it's not appropriate so that people are shamed when they put something on there, named and shamed, because very often it's undercover. I'm not quite sure how these things work. Right. But um, so I think that it's more about educating people so that they actually feel embarrassed when they do it, because you're not going to be able to um, get legislation against that. It's impossible. Yes. What if someone is living in New York and saying these things about Namibian people? Correct. What are you going to do? Correct. Track him in, in you know, Central Park? It's not going to happen. Right. So legislation is, is a no-go for me. Which is interesting, you mentioned if uh, mainstream media brings me to exactly that question, whether mainstream media in Namibia is actually facilitating or fostering this vision of a non-racial society in their coverage of race and identity politics, or do you think they're simply reproducing the biases that are mm -hmm. so inherent in, in Namibian society? And if the latter, what can we really do to further the goal of tolerance, mm -hmm. really? Um, I think that they want to put things on the, the headlines on the front page, right. that's sensationalist, to be honest, and that's going to sell the newspaper. And the problem is, is that it's often going to be something like that. Right. Um, I think the problem is, is even if they do speak, and we're talking now what we could do, even if there is an opinion piece in the newspaper that speaks to these issues, right. it's not getting out to the people that need it the most. Um, so there needs to make there needs to be a concerted effort, I think, to get the media and the ideas that they have out to the people that need to read it. I, I had a discussion with a, a fellow human rights practitioner the other day, and I said I'm so tired of having these meetings 
speaking to the same people that absolutely believe in the same thing I do and using long words about context and, absolutely. you know, whatever. I don't want to do that anymore. You know, we need to actually speak to the people that need it in the language they require. And that's the, the concern I have with the mainstream media. They're not doing that. Right. They absolutely are not catering for the people that they should be helping. It's all about, you know, put that on the front page and I'll sell the newspaper. Don't get me wrong, I know newspapers have to be sold. Right. But, you know, you need to have a balance, I think. Mm. The other thing is that you're touching on is, of course, information and access to information. And you and I are both involved with Action Coalition and, and we know that one of our major hurdles, if you mm. like, is that we don't preach only to the converted about access to information, but that we somehow get the message home mm. to the people who really need it most. And this remains probably as huge a challenge for Action Coalition as it does maybe for the media, which similarly is trying to get to those people. But in this digital age, less and less people are reading newspapers. Mm. So as you say, a lot of those opinion pieces or even other pieces in the paper are just going into the vacuum because mm. nobody's really reading them. This is a risk. Um, Tony, how do you think we can help ensure that the debate around racism, you know, talking about it, giving it air, um, and other forms of prejudice can help unite rather than further polarize Namibians? Mm. Because, of course, there's a risk. The more we talk about it, the more we go into our own little cultural identity boxes mm. um, in doing so. So is it better that we put it out in the open and really talk about it? Or do we continue to brush it under the carpet and say, let's just move on? Mm. We've got other priorities. Well, brushing it under the carpet results in what, what happened here. You know, we, mm. like I said, we all come from those backgrounds. And just because there's independence, it doesn't mean that those prejudices have gone away. So we have to deal with them. Right. I'm not an expert. I don't know how. Maybe we should get a psychologist in to give us yeah. ideas. But um, we can't just brush it under the carpet. In, right. And different countries have done different things. In South Africa, we had the TRC. Exactly. Some of it worked. Some of it didn't work. Right. You have Australia. You have New Zealand that have all got these issues. We need to see how we can learn from them to do it here. But people need to be... They need to be prepared to get the message. And I think that's a concern too. And that's where education comes in. Um, and I think in terms of, the, there might be people in the past that might, they're not reading the newspapers, the older generation, and their prejudices are being, they, they are being moved on to their kids as well. And so it carries on. So you right. need to go back to that step as well, you know. And the other question, which we probably don't have time to touch on today, and that is, of course, the question of economic justice. And if Namibia was a country where unemployment was an absolute minimum, would these issues be or have the prevalence that they do today mm. is another question, I think. Um, but, Tony, also let's go back. I mean, we have a pretty good constitution and we have a great Bill of Rights. Um, how... Can these be used, if you like, to help develop empathy and mutual respect among all groups and to minimize, again, what I refer to as hate or hurt mm. speech? The Constitution is the beginning, and it's it is wonderful, right. and we all say that. Right. But it doesn't uh, manifest in our lives if we don't understand how we can get it to manifest. Right. So I think what would be a really nice thing or a test case to do would be to take one specific right and work it through all the way mm -hmm. to a part where everybody actually gets it. Exactly. Um, equality is not a reality and yeah. it never will be, it's even if you have, exactly, mm -hmm. even if you have those words, but they are ultimately just words and we can all 
be very proud of those words, don't get me wrong. Absolutely. But the implementation is the key, and at this point it's not happening. It's not happening. And it also it also struck me around the, the sort of recent discussion around the statues and historical racial injustices that often, and this is a problem for me, and comes back to access to information, the facts behind a lot of our history mm. are not known. So that accounts also for a lot of vitriol in that people don't always understand all the issues and what has happened. Um, and in some in extreme cases, Tony, I notice more and more that the facts, I mean, if you look at Trump's America today and his mm. base, as they call it, which really deserves the word uh, <laughs> base, um, the facts don't matter at all. Mm. Um, so in order to foster more informed debate and opinions, the media, you would probably agree, could be doing a lot more mm. to tell those stories of what happened in the past so we come to terms with the present and the future. Most definitely, but I go back to that again, that those stories have to be told in a specific way. Um, you know, how was it in the past? You didn't read the newspaper, you sat around and you spoke about things. So if you can get a culture of doing that, and the media can assist with that, because they could, for example, take one issue and say, mm -hmm. let's, let's work through this, let's talk about it. Speak to the youth, speak to the older people, sit down and have a conversation. And I think I'm not an expert at these things, and I don't know if they will help, but we have to start with something. Exactly. And the way it's going now, it's not working. I agree with you. And Tony, if we, if we go back, because obviously what we're really talking about here in the terms of equality and everything else is basic human mm. rights. Um, how do we put that and our constitution and our Bill of Rights in the hearts and minds of people? Because that's really what it's about. I don't know how many people even know we have a mm. Bill of Rights. Um, so would we be able to look at some kind of solution if we can't find it in laws redressing, you know, these type of injustices to really go back to homes and to schools and to teach mm. basic human rights to for people to learn you know however we've come onto this earth is, is not of our own making mm. if i've come here with a pale skin i didn't necessarily choose that that we need to develop that understanding that empathy that tolerance and it can only start if we do it with the youth and with the yeah. really young so what would your thinking be around that too? I don't know to what extent mm. it's mirrored in the Namibian educational curriculum, but really to bring human rights front and mm. center to try and combat these evils of racism and discrimination. Let me first say about the curriculum, it's just, it's their little part and it doesn't actually be, get right. dealt with, it's lip service. 100% um, that's the only way it's gonna go. There is no other, well, whether that will help or not, it will help, whether it will, make sure that it never happens again? No, it won't. But at least it's a start. You know, my daughter is studying in South Africa and she often says to me, Mom, I can't believe how I feel when I go there. Mm. We haven't got that here. So we need to be at least cognizant that we could be doing worse, but we need to build on that. And education is key. But it needs to be not just educating the youth, it needs to be going to the other side of the spectrum too and sitting down and saying, look, these things did happen, right. but you know, why are we feeling this way? How right. can we change it? Right. Because if there's going to be this, it's, there's always going to be a disconnect. And if there is a disconnect, then we're never going to get to a stage where we can say truly, we are all equal and we all not maybe love each other, but we tolerate each other for what we are. Exactly. Education is the key. Is key. Mm. And finally, perhaps, Tony, the issue, it often strikes me that we, 
we look at these topics in a very negative light. Always we're bringing out the negative, mm. the people who say the nasty things, but we never or very seldom focus on the positive. Um, and you will have noticed, like in the US, and I hate to, to use that as an example, but uh, CNN, which a while back used a video um, where of a young black child and a young white mm. child running towards each other and embracing. Mm. A, a wonderful image, and that happens a lot. Let's mm. face it, there is a lot of good, um, certainly in relations between different mm. races and tribes in Namibia. Mm. Um, should we not also be focusing sometimes on perhaps being less thin-skinned about issues around race mm. and looking sometimes at, at the really good examples and the joy mm. that a lot of people have found across the color spectrum mm. and the ethnic divide, mm. if you like. Would yeah. it help if we also tried to just <laughs> cheer ourselves up and say it's not all bad? Of course it would help. A, a while back, there was a long time ago, I say a while back, probably about 10 years ago, there was a um, magazine that just used to, it was online actually, that just used to report on positive things, okay? Right. It lasted for two long. months, and exactly. then nobody wanted to do that. It, exactly. it is our human nature. Right. Um, but I think if we do start that conversation, then people will start looking at those things. Have some kind of a competition. Send something in to say, what has been the best thing that's happened to you right. this week right. or this month or whatever? Right. And I must tell you, I know we're probably getting to the end of this um, conversation, but everybody's so angry about what happened now in Walthus Bay. Um, to say that, you know, I'll apologize to the media, I mean, you can take that apology and take it as for what it is. Yes. More than anything, it really made me so sad. I cannot believe that after all this time, we are having these, because it's just hidden so deep and dark that it comes out now. And it made me so sad to think that we haven't moved forward in that sense at right. all. Right. It's lip service for most people because that innate feeling that they have, whether it's from... Well, there's on, on both sides that feeling of um, something has been taken away from me um, or I haven't got enough yet from the whole situation. That's still within us and we need to deal with those issues. Absolutely. And dig really deep mm -hmm. and confront our own demons. Yeah. Tony, I think you've ended this on a, on a great note and I'm sorry we haven't got another hour for this conversation, but thank you so much for helping us at least start the discussion. Yes, and I hope this. it does help a little bit. Thank you very much, <laughs> Thank Tony. you.